Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. Anakin did not take to his new assignment with much enthusiasm. It's very dangerous putting them together. I don't think the boy can handle it. I don't trust him. So our 20 begins with Obi-Wan, Mace Windu, and Yoda privately discussing how they think Anakin received his instructions to sort of be a spy on Palpatine. They all kind of agree that he's not crazy about the idea, uh, but for different reasons. Mace Windu openly doesn't trust Anakin's relationship with Palpatine. Yoda's a little bit more wary, and Obi-Wan has full faith in Anakin. Yes, it's nice to kind of see the full spectrum of opinions on that kind of, on Anakin's, I guess, steadiness to the to the Jedi. Uh, then we cut to Anakin, and then we show his complete lack of steadiness uh, when he's having a conversation with Padme, and how he's very frustrated, and he doesn't feel like the council is agreeing with him. She is more focused on... Uh, on her worries about politics and how she believes the galaxy is getting to a position where the re- even the Republic, like maybe they're not even fighting for the right side, maybe the Republic is becoming um, anti-democratic in its position. And then Anakin kind of freaks out and gets a little mad and defensive as that's what the Jedi have also been telling him. And so <laughs> he, he has kind of a pouty face, but she tells him to hold him. And then the scene kind of ends from there. Cut to Anakin's cute little date with Palpatine where they go to the opera together. Yes. And of course, we get that that famous scene uh, where we hear of the legend of Darth Plagueis the Wise. More importantly, Palpatine kind of lets Anakin in on a little secret that uh, if you are uh, learned in the dark arts of the, of the Force, uh, you could perhaps put uh, a stopper in death. Uh, which is very uh, important to him because he, of course, wants to prevent Padme's death in childbirth. Exactly. So Palpatine has about five or six uh, different evil glares that he gives in this scene. (laughs) Uh, Then we shift to Yoda on Kashyyyk, uh, and he's communing with the Jedi Council uh, via hologram. Uh, We... Uh, Anakin's actually on that council. Uh, Anakin discusses how Palpatine wants him to go uh, fight General Krivis and and arrest him. Uh, The council then decides that someone with more experience needs to go. Uh, I believe it's Kayati Mundi who suggests Obi-Wan. And then from there, uh, they all agree that Obi-Wan's the the person to go to arrest Krivis. So before uh, Obi-Wan leaves to go to arrest Grievous, he has a nice little moment with, where Ana- with Anakin where Anakin kind of apologizes for being a bit of a brat lately. Obi-Wan's totally cool about it. They say, uh, may the force be with you. He ships off uh, and infiltrates uh, what appears to be a peaceful community. Uh, of course, what we learn when he arrives there is that they're under siege by the evil General Grievous. Yes, so that's kind of Obi-Wan's sideline, and on the side, on the other side of things, Anakin has been chatting with Padme, and despite how supportive Obi-Wan just was to him, and really, you'd think all the faith that he just put in him, and how Anakin was apologetic, Anakin would be feeling a certain way, but Anakin's straight up throwing Obi-Wan under the bus, and all the Jedi, and how they don't believe in him, and they're not right, and they're going down the wrong path, and how he wants more, and he craves more. Uh, He's sounding very, very power-hungry and and much like a Sith here. Uh, After that, we then cut back to Obi-Wan on Utapau, where he is kind of stalking General Grievous as he is uh, discussing with the the rest of the Separatists that uh, they need to go to Mustafar. They ultimately have a a great big battle, and and we cut uh, somewhere amid his lightsaber duel with General Grievous. Uh, I want to talk specifically about that meeting between Anakin and Obi-Wan where they have this really sweet moment. And like we said in in the recap, Obi-Wan is so optimistic and supportive in this 20. I know. Uh, he, uh, Anakin, Anakin kind of has a grown-up moment where he's like, look, I know I, I've been kind of difficult. I've been kind of arrogant lately. I haven't been very appreciative of your training. And Obi-Wan gives him this warm smile and then a little pep talk about how he's a really powerful Jedi and he just needs to be patient because everything's going to be great one day. And you're so right. Cut to the next scene. Anakin just goes back to bitching about Obi-Wan. I have taught you everything I know. And you have become a far greater Jedi than I could ever hope to be. Obi-Wan and the Council don't trust me. 
I hate it. It's one of the it's really one of the worst parts of of Anakin as a whole. This 20 is because he just doesn't make sense. You cut out so much progression in the character. Like really once he realizes that for a second there is a potential for the going to the dark side to save Padme he really starts down that path quick. He starts to become power hungry. He starts to blame other people. He immediately goes to, I found the way to save you. I can do it. And like, he's, he's kind of, he, he really, really goes down the path quick. I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous because Obi-Wan is saying nothing but incredibly supportive things. And literally, this is the last time these two see each other again. The next time Anakin sees him, after Obi-Wan says all these lovely things, he says, you brought him here to kill me? And like, that's literally the next time they see each other. And it's like, seriously, that is such an important relationship in Star Wars. And they do a butchered job of how Obi-Wan shows so much faith in Anakin and Anakin throws it away after apologizing and then wants to kill Obi-Wan more than anyone else in the entire galaxy. It's that disconnect. It's really such a big shame. Um, I know, but, but the, the other side of it quick. is uh, maybe it was a mistake to have him apologize to Obi-Wan in the first place because uh, he is desperate and he is impulsive. That's always been in the character of Anakin. Yes, and, that's true. Uh, he is inclined to cling on to something that is going to save Padme, who he loves most. Plus, he's already inclined towards the dark dark side. So if he's starting to welcome these evil uh, bits you're of the right. dark side into his conscience, they're going to infect him really quickly. No, you're actually right. I do think it makes more sense for Anakin at that point to just not have said that. He may have been a little bit apologetic, but he definitely would not have been as sweet as he was there. And I mean, you could say that, oh, well, Anakin is, the, he's the hardcore good guy, but he just does the big pendulum swing to the other side. But this is already at that point where those lines are blurring, and I don't really think it makes any sense there. And so, yeah, I think that actually makes more sense. It's it's Obi-Wan would not have reacted so warmly had Anakin not been so almost fake with him with his apology you're right though they were trying to create a nice final moment before their mortal enemies yeah it's just i really wish that there was bits more tension and then even we didn't mention it but uh, amidst uh, the kind of anakin and padme scene where they're discussing um Anakin's bitching about other shit and then the Jedi Council lumps Obi-Wan in there. Uh, he also has a quick vision of Obi-Wan talking to Padme uh, what, what, where it looks like through childbirth. And so Anakin starts to get kind of suspicious because he also fe he was like, wait a minute, Obi-Wan was here. Obi-Wan's been here, hasn't he? He came by this morning. What did he want? He's worried about you. And what was he doing here? And so it's it's a little ridiculous. I don't like I don't like the the, the notion. And a lot some people like the the thought of potentially it would have been cool if there was an Obi Wan Padme Anakin and love triangle. I don't like that. I think the way that like I think if they wanted to go that route though of Anakin making up jealousy, it would have needed to start like in way the first sooner. two minutes of this movie or at the end of the last movie. Absolutely. It is way too late to be introducing new dynamics to this uh, threesome of people. Absolutely. Like, I, it could totally, like, I absolutely wouldn't like it if there was that dynamic uh, in terms of Obi-Wan and Padme having some form of love affair. However, I absolutely wouldn't be, wouldn't have been against Anakin making that up in his head or Palpatine planting that seed as well. Like making yes, an additional better. reason for Anakin to hate Obi-Wan more than anyone. Padme is such a damsel in this 20 and they try to make yeah. her a voice of reason and she's talking him off the edge, but she's just like literally in her house coat in the apartment the entire 20 and, and she's, she's really like, not doing me. a good job of keeping him from jumping off the ledge. I know she's just hold me like you did down by the lake. Hold me like you did by the lake on Naboo. 
so long ago when there was nothing but our love. No politics, no plotting, no war. No politics, no plotting, no war. Sorry, when was this? Yeah, they were literally hiding. Yeah, they had lots going on. She had an assassination threat on her and they were <laughs> hiding on her home world. I'm curious to know, Padme, which were like, because, oh, was it one of the couple years after during the Clone Wars? Because no, this yeah. does not make sense. <laughs> Those were the good old days, were they, Padme? Exactly. Because let's face it. Oh, or wait a minute. Was this, uh, was this Paolo or like? <laughs> <laughs> right. She's getting her boyfriends confused. Oh, shit. That, see, that right there would make Ooh. Anakin turn. That'll push you to the dark side for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, that opening uh, discussion between the three Jedi Masters, where they're discussing uh, whether or not Anakin can be trusted. With all due respect, Master, is he not the Chosen One? Is he not to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force? So the prophecy says. A prophecy that Miss Red could have been. He will not let me down. He never has. I hope right you are. Obi-Wan gives Mace Windu a little pushback. He says, with all due respect, Master, is he not the chosen one? Is he not the one we can expect will bring balance to the Force? Mace Windu interestingly says, well, so says the prophecy. And that's the first time it's it's ever introduced to us that we don't necessarily have to take this prophecy as gospel. And then Yoda says, maybe we misread the prophecy. And this is actually fabulous writing because this is. is indirectly alluding to Luke Skywalker. It's an incredibly, incredibly important note. And as well, because that note has kept with Obi-Wan throughout the rest of canon. And that's an amazing, yeah. amazing thing that I love that people have picked up on. Like, And I've mentioned it before, how Obi-Wan, as he goes into hiding, he becomes cynical and no longer believes that Anakin is the chosen one. And Obi-Wan has damn near every reason to believe Anakin is the chosen one. But he gets to this position where he has all this questioning, whereas Mace Windu said this and Yoda said that. And maybe prophecies are... They can be really easily misinterpreted. That's kind of what they're meant to be almost. Um, and Right, except Mace Windu is so by the book. And in this one instance, he's like, never mind. That's true. But I wouldn't necessarily say... I think prophecy by definition doesn't necessarily mean to... Like, the chosen one. It's not, it's not super clear. I mean, right, right. It's, it's one thing. Whereas Mace Windu loves things that are super clear. Uh, whereas this is kind of just this vague notion, and I mean, there's even the whole debate inside outside Star Wars of what balance even means within Star Wars. I think, in all honesty, I think Ryan Johnson did a really good job with that in The Last Jedi, but that's a, total, a totally other can of worms. Um, yes, but that's no, controversial. I, yeah, exactly. I just I th I think it was really good uh, in terms of the way that sticks with Obi Wan, and he no longer believes that Anakin is the chosen one. He believes that it's Luke. He becomes kind of faithful in, in a new potential chosen one, uh, kind of based off of a line like this that he hears from two of his most senior masters, Mace Windu, who proves to be right. <laughs> now we have to talk about what is probably the most memorable sequence in this 20, which is the monologue at the opera about Darth Plagueis the Wise. Darth Plagueis. The dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. He had such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. Can you explain to me why this has become such a heavily memed scene in Star Wars when, as far as I'm concerned, it is extremely well written and extremely well performed? It's not a gag at all. No. Oh, no, no. It's not meant to be either. No. No. It, it, I think most people see it as the one of the best scenes, um, if not the best scene in some people's minds, of the prequels. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, it really is. It's it's not meant to be gag-wise. I think people find it funny because um, I, I'm sure it was initially used as, like, kind of like an out-of-place thing on Reddit, and that's what initially caused it to blow up. But... It no, it's it's an it's an exceptional scene. It is one. It's some of the best dialogue in the prequels. It's uh, Ian McDermott's favorite scene in the pre in like that he's did in all of Star Wars. Um, like, 
Well, it's it kind of rewrites scene. Star Wars uh, up until like all these six movies we've watched. There's like all of this new context and it's just delivered in one scene. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an incredibly important scene too. I mean, you, I mean, Palpatine is a little over the top in terms of how overt he is, but Anakin's into it and Palpatine's just like, okay, I'm going to keep going then. Yeah. And I kind of thought that Anakin at this point is like a little dumb for not realizing that Palpatine is super evil. Yeah, I know. And I mean, when we're going to see in the next, probably the next 20, I think is when he re- when he comes to the realization and it's all like, seriously, Anakin, you're just <laughs> getting there now. Like, yeah, yeah. man, if any other Jedi were in the room when the two of you have had conversations, they would be like, Anakin, wake the hell up, dude. What happened to him? He became so powerful. The only thing he was afraid of was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew. Then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. So we know that uh, Plagueis's apprentice, who Palpatine talks about, is him. Mm-hmm. But is that clear? If you were to watch this objectively without any previous knowledge, do you think that you would watch that and go, oh, he's talking about himself? I always did, even as seeing this when I was, I guess, what, like probably 12, I think, for the first time. Right, right. Yeah, and so, so even why, as a 12-year-old, I got it. Why then is Plagueis just a legend? Like, how long ago did this take place? How old is Palpatine? Uh, Palpatine? How old is he? Um, well, oh, this in particular with Darth Plagueis? Yeah, like how long ago is oh. this? Like, it's a Sith <laughs> legend. Sith legend. It's not actually. That's what's really funny. Uh, the Darth Pla- Darth Plagueis was alive up until uh, just after the Phantom Menace, or no, maybe within the Phantom Menace. I believe Plagueis. Uh, I believe Palpatine make he kills him right around that timeline, right around when they find out about Whoa, Anakin Skywalker. What? You're yeah. fucking kidding me? No, no, no. It is like behind the scenes, incredible stuff. Yeah, pa- like Plagueis. Well. This is always what it was in Legends, and there's been nothing to dis uh, to not confirm that uh, anything in canon. I don't believe. Um, so, uh, yeah, no but Palpatine. That, that, but Palpatine's shit, that, uh, Palpatine's a human though, so age wise, it has to work that way because Palpatine's only like I think fifty or something in uh, the Phantom Menace. So I mean, it's not like they would even be able to go far back. So why change it from Legends? No, but I, I believe he's supposed to, let me check what his actual, uh, date death is though. I'm look okay. But like this rewrites the prequels and the movies even more than I realized, because if he's still around mentoring Palpatine through the Phantom Menace, then the Phantom Menace, who we believe to be as Palpatine is really not. It's yet another Sith Lord, even more in the shadows than we realized. Yeah, I, I guess you could say that. However, Anakin was not a creation of Plagueis. We have now found even further that Anakin is the creation of Palpatine, that Palpatine clearly perfected what Plagueis could not. Um, Well, so we think. We're led to believe now, or at least there's lots of speculation. That's true. That's what we're led to believe, because what was done in Legends was that it was a mistake. The two of them together tried to to make um, kind of a perfect Sith being, um, with Plagueis leading the way and it just kind of blew up in their face and Plagueis learned about how the Force uh, actually could respond and the Force had, an, like essentially almost like the wills spoke to him and were like, fuck you, dude, that's not how this right. works. And they created an anti-pure um, Sith, uh, which was Anakin, and then they ultimately converted him back to being a Sith. <laughs> um, so that was the Legas. Plagueis being alive during the Phantom Menace, uh, that even further invalidates the Rule of Two. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Rule of Two is rarely followed. And it's Plagueis... Garbage. Yeah, well, Plagueis wasn't a huge fan of um, Palpatine taking on Maul, of course. Uh, right. But Palpatine kind of... He, he lied. He, he only told Plagueis that he was kind of like training him to be like an assassin, where he was teaching him some of the Sith arts in the side because Palpatine just saw how much hate oozed out of Maul that he thought he could potentially become a, a pretty lethal weapon one day and, and maybe be that apprentice that he wanted, um, but was quickly pretty cool to replace him with the 10-year-old that uh, Qui-Gon found for him, so... 
Now, I I know it's uh, been recently all but confirmed that uh, Anakin is basically the biological creation of Palpatine. But I kind of found in this 20 that it was basically said as well, like, especially since we're discussing uh, midi-calorians and in all other mentions of midi-calorians in the prequels up to this point, we've only ever been talking about the creation of Anakin and how he was birthed of the midi-calorians. And though mm-hmm. to, so then to start talking about how you can create stuff out of the midi-calorians kind of implies like, oh, hey, I'm your papa. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's what it implies. And it, it mirrors the it friggin' fur- Empire it, Strikes Back. The yeah, big it's, bad it is furthers the, the I am your father. Absolutely. Holy shit. Yeah, they just did the big twist in the third movie, and George didn't get nearly the credit for it because he made it way too subtle for some people. Yeah, too subtle. I guess way it was too a little subtle. too subtle. Considering yeah. he wasn't subtle many times. Oh my God, no kidding. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, the, the rule of two still uh, did exist, but... Plagueis and Palpatine kind of within this timeline, uh, I guess kind of that Phantom Menace um, to a bit before Attack of the Clones, uh, there were definitely, there was definitely Palpatine's uh, kind of timeline on, okay, when do I want to kill my master here? He was counting down the days kind of. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Do you want to uh, do some trivia or do you want to do some, uh, any take Yeah, let's do some trivia. Let's do some trivia. Sure. Uh, okay, so uh, Padawan question for you. Who trained General Grievous in the Jedi arts? Count Dooku. You fool! I've been trained in your Jedi arts by Count Dooku. It was Count Dooku, and I actually find his referring to uh, propeller lightsabering as Jedi arts to be a little gauche. I think it's friggin' ridiculous seeing as Dooku was the friggin' one of the best duelists in the galaxy. Yeah. And specifically, that makes no sense whatsoever. Like, well, just yeah. Dooku Having taught with limbs. a single. He's, he taught with a single blade. <laughs> yeah, and this is like you said, four friggin' limbs. It's ridiculous. It, it doesn't. There's nothing that resembles the Jedi arts in what General Grievous does. He just happens to be pretty agile and has four lightsabers. Yeah, exactly. And also, it's <laughs> absurd that Anakin was not absolutely forced to go with obi-wan on this yes it's absolutely absurd it makes no sense why would they send one jedi against general grievous they know he has four lightsabers i know george lucas didn't realize he was going to like he wanted to introduce these things because he didn't realize he was going to do the clone wars but like at this point they absolutely knew he had four lightsabers (laughs) it's a lot to be fair they did send him like thousands of backup troopers yeah but it doesn't matter. General Grievous <laughs> is like he's the big baddie. That's how it works in all, you know, fantasy worlds. The big baddie right. is always worth a thousand uh, disposable villains. Yeah, that's well said. Padawan question: Name one of the two Jedi Masters who Anakin sits next to on the Jedi Council once he finally makes it. Oh shoot! I wasn't even paying attention. Uh, I guess I'll I'll guess Coyote Mundi. Close. There's someone sitting in between Coyote Mundi and Anakin. Um, but two next to Anakin are Ajin Kolar and Coleman Kaj. Oh, I don't even know those names. Yeah. Uh, Ajin Kolar was um, Eth Koth recast in Attack of the Clones. And then George, Clu- uh, George Lucas just deciding, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to make it a different guy. He doesn't look enough like the initial Ethkoth. <laughs> so something happened to Ethkoth. No, he just, there was a scheduling conflict because uh, the Geonosis fight scene was shot in Australia <laughs> or New Zealand and he couldn't make it. So, No, I mean like something happened to the Jedi Ethkoth. No, Ethkoth comes back. I, he he doesn't like die at like canonically between um, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. He he lives till till Order sixty six. He was on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a Jedi Knight question for you: Where does General Grievous send the Viceroy to hide from the Jedi? I think you already mentioned this in your recap. Mustafar, and, and the Mustafar system specifically. Do we know anything about what else exists around Mustafar? Um. This is probably one of those instances where there are other inhabited rock 
dwarf stars or... And sometimes in Star Wars, they sloppily interchange the planet name and the planet system name. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it just means that it's a small clumping of planets that there isn't necessarily like a singular standout kind of planet, but you just call it kind of by the by the clumping. Maybe I think just in terms of the rhythm of the writing, they're trying to yes. find a way to make it sound more Star Warsy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just allows them to not have the same words come up, come up constantly. That's right. Name the dragon-like <laughs> creature that Obi-Wan, uh, I guess, rides on Utapau. Right. I don't know, and I tried to look this up, and I couldn't find it. It has three different names. Oh, Lord. One of them is extremely, extremely descriptive Okay. of what Obi-Wan is doing. All right. Uh, and the other two, uh, it, I would be shocked if you guessed. <laughs> a, 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 str- a straddler. Oh, very, very close. Oh. Uh, it is a, a boga or a varactyl, but also known as a dragon mount. Oh, okay. Yeah, so close. I kind of thought that the existence of this character, not the character, but the creature, was real dumb. Like, they didn't explain where it came from. He was just for about two minutes riding a dragon. And he was also super fucking loud and would have given away <laughs> Obi-Wan's, like, location because I didn't hear any other dragons screaming as loud as this particular one. Where did he get the dragon? Oh, uh, he just probably, like, they're native to Utapau, so, I mean, it was probably not that weird that they heard, like, I think it's just kind of like a, like, as if he was expecting to find, like, a, a seagull, but he knows that the seagulls on Utapau are fucking huge dragons you can ride. <laughs> right, yeah, they're disposable. Yeah. <laughs> what is the name of the port administrator who greets Obi-Wan on Utapau and says they are being held hostage? Oh, I don't know this one. Uh... Tion or Tion Medin. Mm. Yeah, I never would have got the last name. Maybe if you gave me like like three, four hours to think on it, I could have got the first name. <laughs> <laughs> you could have dug it out of the back of your brain. Maybe, but never the last name. Um, All right. Alrighty here. Uh, who is the bald-headed woman who sits with Palpatine uh, and he tells to leave so that Anakin can sit there. <laughs> oh, I didn't even really notice that happen. Yeah, so essentially he always has his two main people around throughout the uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, especially Revenge of the Sith, all throughout the Clone Wars, uh, and even throughout most of his Imperial reign. Uh, and there's the tall blue 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 guy with horns that's Masamita, uh, and then this right. bald white woman named... You can guess. Slimewar is the name. Janet Slime Slime Warp? Sly (laughs) Sly Moore. Sly Moore. Okay, I don't know. Do we know anything about her? Who is she? In Legends, he actually uh, had, I think, a couple kids with her, or at least one kid with her. He had a couple kids, I think, maybe without, maybe like he had a kid with another baby mama. But, uh, Palpatine had like some fucked up kids in Legends. Like he had one that was like a Cyclops or like a Triclops or something. Um, yeah, he there was some weird shit, and like he locked him in like a, like a like a dungeon somewhere or fuck, I don't remember. Well, that's uh, what's weird about him having a having a girlfriend or a wife or a family in general is he's incapable of compassion. He only uh, ever relates to people for his own personal gain. But oh, if he were to have offspring. They, in theory, could be very powerful with the Force. Yeah, where I don't think they... like. I think it's totally against the character and does not work in that regard. And so I think it's right in canon for him to not have offspring at all. Uh, but I think it makes sense that, I mean, he could have kind of um, like a, a semi-love interest on the side uh, in terms of being kind of a political figure for X number of years and right, then just rising wife. to such power that it's like, well, just because I'm a disgusting, like demorphed kind of like alien now in a black cloak and I'm not like, 
I don't wear the blue robes and stand in front of everyone and give these wonderful speeches anymore. I'm disgusting. But look how friggin' powerful I am. And you've fallen in love with how much power I have. Right. And he needs to have a good wife because he's a politician. <laughs> I guess you could say that. I don't think she necessarily has the good wife vibe by any means. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, talk about some of our favorite quotes. Uh, aside from, of course, the, the Plagueis monologue, which is the highlight. Yes, indeed it is. Uh, there is the wonderful hello there. Uh, and sure. Yep. General Kenobi, yeah, you are a bold one. Uh, all who gain power are afraid to lose it. Yep. That's a good one for sure. It's kind of ominous. Yep. Um, just give me a second here. Oh, well, and this comes from the end of the Plagueis monologue and the discussion about whether or not you could learn to stop someone from dying. Anakin asks Palpatine, is it possible to learn this power? And Palpatine says, not from a Jedi. And that's where it's clear he's very evil. I mean, it's oh my God. anyway. And he gives like the final of his intense glares. He's just so anti-Jedi. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very clear. However, at this point, Anakin isn't... Like, that's not surprising. They've both told each other to spy on each other. So, like, he's he knows he's stuck in between them and that they're both mo bad, like, bad-mouthing the other in his ear. So it's not super weird, but he should start cluing in by how much Sith stuff he starts talking about. And, like, this... <laughs> yeah. like, he's not a Jedi, Anakin. Did you not, re like, remember because, like, so many people in your life have the Force that this guy's not supposed to have the Force and know all this shit? And he's not supposed to have this many opinions on the Force. Yeah, no kidding. Absolutely. Like, well, where in the world would he have found out about so many of these things? Well, I, he openly says, it's not a story the Jedi would have told you, but it's a Sith legend. Yeah, good point. So he's got that one in his canon. Uh, Tion Medan on Utapau. I like this line. There's no war here unless you brought it with you. Yes, that is a good line. Yeah. Um, it's For a disposable character. Yeah, well, it, it's it's really interesting. That's a, that's a cool planet. I, I the sequence I would have liked to be maybe a little bit more political there, and maybe a little less battle scene. I, like it yeah. seems like kind of a cool uh, slavery narrative. Well, I mean, obviously slavery is not not cool, uh, but just in terms like similar to the way they did it, uh, like with Kessel and Solo. I thought they did it poorly there, whereas this intrigued me right out of the gate. Like, whereas yes. they're terrified, but he's kind of, like, sliding Obi-Wan a piece of information. The super, super cool fucking move of Obi-Wan, uh, like, last minute, like, ditching out of his ship and sending his droid up along with him, whereas everybody thinks he's gone. Like, it's very cool. Absolutely. And by the way, speaking of that droid, uh, forget R4. He's got an all-copper R2 unit now. Yeah, it's pretty slick looking, eh? It's really cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Although Obi-Wan isn't one for droids. The other thing I liked, uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but the camouflage uh, armor on the troopers on uh, Kashyyyk, very, very slick. Oh, well, I have specifically back the fact that there's the scout troopers. They have the scout trooper helmets in here. They do, but with camouflage armor. Yeah, it's super awesome. Like it's They're the, like one of the coolest looking troopers in the entire saga it's awesome i yes. absolutely love them uh, the scout troopers are my favorite so but these are just like an even cooler version and you know they're good at this point <laughs> they, sh they should have had camouflage on endor yeah that's well i guess but it still kind of fits with that stark white imperial consistency um but then again they went against that with a little bit of kind of a a beige-ish look in Rogue One, so. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, what did you have for kind of uh, winning the 20? Uh, well, I did I did mention the the camouflage armor and the copper droid. Okay, cool. Um, I, I, have but, the, I have the camouflage. I have the scout troopers for sure on mine. But bigger themes, I mean, we already said the thing that won the 20 is the Plagueis monologue. And then for also sure. Obi-Wan's kindness. Yeah, I have all of Obi-Wan's dialogue throughout the entire 20 I thought was great. Um, tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise, of course. Uh, I thought Kashyyyk, just seeing Kashyyyk, it shows that, like, that shooting location, I don't know where it was or how much is green screen, but, like, a lot of it is, like, a, more of the movie should have taken place there. It is a cool, cool environment. I know, but it still kind of feels like forced fan service that they went to Kashyyyk, and especially that they showed Chewbacca on the platform with Yoda. 
Okay, well, that is stupid. I totally agree. I think it works maybe at the end when Yoda does the Chewbacca and the Tarful thing, um, but it doesn't really work here, and it really doesn't work because it's so short. Like, I think if you elongate it, it doesn't feel like fan service. I think it just makes a lot of sense. This is a species that becomes one of the most enslaved, and this battle goes to shit, but... Like, if they really made it even more epic in particular and didn't spread it a little too thin, it could have been one where we really saw, like, a race go down and they could have started to, like, put them in shackles toward the end just to kind of right. really show how the Empire could quickly just, just, like, just bring down a planet, like, at the beginning of its reign. Okay, that's all I have for notes on this 20. Um... A couple takebacks I have, uh, mostly just Anakin not being able to make up his mind. Um, yeah. Just a couple bad green screens. And the god-awful Tarzan yell from the Wookiees. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was a really bad one. On the line of quotes, uh, I always kind of go through a, a little bit of script reading uh, about the movies before and after just so I can kind of familiarize myself with some of the quotes and, and where to pick them up for copy and pasting purposes. Uh, and some of the, the scripts have some cutout lines. And there's one I wanted to particularly highlight um, because it's such a good comeback, too. And the, the bit of banter that goes on. But when General Grievous kind of brags about, I was trained in the arts of, um, I was trained in the, in the, was it in the Jedi arts by Count Dooku? Um, right, right. Uh, Obi-Wan counters that by saying, I think you're forgetting the fact that I trained the Jedi that killed Count Dooku. <laughs> oh, why would they cut that line? I know. That's solid. It's such a good one. It's such a good comeback, and it's so Obi-Wan. I know, it really is. I mean, everybody would, uh, my God, how memeable would that line be? You know what? They probably cut it because they want General Grievous to be menacing, and it He's kind not. of pulls the rug out from under him. And they're in, unsuccessful in making him menacing anyway. Yeah. That's true. But they don't want him to be a laughing stock. No, that's I know they don't, um, and they really like because in the uh, the cartoon Clone Wars that was done more recently to um, uh, attack the clones, it was uh, General Grievous was a fucking badass in that he was super powerful. Um, yeah, but they really, really just made him lame in both Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith. So definitely should have been should have been merged with Dooku. Yes. Yeah. Um, George got? Lucas is in this 20. Um, oh, he is. Yep. He's outside the opera house. Uh, I wasn't sure whether it was the, the bar or the opera house, um, the bar from Attack of the Clones, the opera house from this, but it is indeed the opera house. I saw him this time. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that's uh, I think all I have for the 20. Okay. So we'll go to the news. Do you mind if I start? Go for it. Uh, on Tuesday of this week, Solo, a Star Wars story was nominated for Best Visual Effects at the Academy Awards. Indeed. And Adam Driver was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Black Klansman. Yes, and Richard E. Grant was nominated Best Supporting Actor for Can You Ever Forgive Me? I know, and so who's he going to play again? Uh, it is unconfirmed. Uh, however, uh, there's been a lot of old stories that keep circulating as if they're new stories on, like in the Star Wars world lately, I keep right. finding, uh, which is weird because uh, they're being reported almost as new stories, like when the EA video game, like... People are surprised that that was killed recent, like in the last week or so. To be honest, I'm been shocked. Been a while. I'm shocked anyone's remotely surprised. They barely kept it alive by shifting it to a different studio when they closed, like their main visceral studio, which was producing the game. Like I wasn't remotely surprised they killed it because they've never mentioned it since they closed that studio a freaking year and a half ago. So, right, but it's just like when people are outraged about the Oscars in general or anything at all. If it doesn't align with what they want and what they think should happen, it's shocking to them and unfathomable. Yes, exactly. Um, sorry, where, do, where was I going? Uh, Richard E. Grant. There was a really nice video of him, actually. I don't know if it was taken by like his publicist or paparazzi or whatever, but he had just found out that he was nominated for an Academy Award. He's like 62 years old, and he was elated. It was really, really lovely, actually. He seems wonderful. He was absolutely over the moon to find out uh, when he got the Star Wars part as well. 
Uh, sorry, yeah, that's that's what it was. Uh, just that more news was kind of circulating uh, around his excitement over the role uh, and over the kind of the initial reaction when he found out um, uh, and when he walked in the room and Daisy Ridley and J.J. Abrams were there. And they were like, say, are you going to do it? Right. And like, this is like, yeah, yeah you see, told us the story. You've Yeah, exactly. We've all heard this story before. But that, that news story came out again this week as if it was a new thing. Uh, I guess maybe because Richard E. Grant was getting the, uh, the Oscar nomination and as a result, people forgot about it. But I just thought that was kind of a, a funny little bit. Uh, but yeah, well, he's one I, of those I, guys who's he's a character actor who's been around for a long time, uh, esteemed uh, theater actor as well, but becoming a household name now. Uh, yeah, I just think that's wonderful. It's the kind of thing where he's clearly respected and appreciated. Uh, I think there was a couple. I think there was even another movie that he was like highly recognized for recently. Uh, so it's just nice to see somebody kind of coming into their own uh, a little later into life. And uh, I think no matter who he plays. Uh, in episode nine, he could have a very, very cool role, uh, yeah. whether that's being uh, the badass that Hux no longer is for the First Order, which is what a lot of people think it's going to be, and that would be A-OK. Uh, I can see or that. he be could be kind of uh, an interesting sort of figurehead leader for the resistance in kind of a way uh because they're really i mean the only older people will be lando and however you can cut in carrie so right he's got a weird hairline and i think that'll suit the galaxy far far away uh, agreed exactly <laughs> Um, just because uh, a lot of people had mentioned that Richard E. Grant was potentially going to be Thrawn, and, and that was debunked, and uh, oh, that yeah. would that would have been bad. I, I'm glad that's not happening. Uh, but I just recently started watching Sherlock, and I got to one of the last episodes in season three, uh, and Lars Mikkelsen, who's Mads Mikkelsen's brother, um, was in was in the episode, and he was the villain. And the episode starts out. And I didn't know he was in this episode because he was the villain for this just particular episode. And it's his voice. And he's talking in kind of a slightly menacing way. He's clearly like talking to, to someone, intimidate somebody. Uh, but they don't show his face. And within like three seconds, I just zoned right in because I was so excited because it was Thrawn's voice. Oh. And so I was absolutely over the moon by that because I realized, oh, it's Lars Mikkelsen who does Thrawn. Uh, and so I had never seen him actually in something. Uh, and for the notion of potentially hearing a Thrawn in live action or seeing a Thrawn in live action, I've always wanted to see him in something to see how he is as an actor. And that question, I will never have another answer for. 100% if it's a live action, he has to be it. He's friggin' incredible. There is no one. There is absolutely no one I would want <laughs> to even come friggin' close to touching this role over Lars Mikkelsen. Oh, that's really, really, that's high praise. I, like, he, he captured Thrawn completely for me. The voice, he kills it for Rebels. That voice, he's able to bring to life in a human way. Uh, he's able to do a cold, dead stare. He's tall. He's thin. He's gaunt. He has like the facial structure for it. It's ridiculous. He's perfect. That's so exciting. Maybe it'll happen. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to dye his hair, but I mean, they've already cast his brother uh, in Rogue One, and they already cast him as the voice for Rebels. So uh, if that could happen, that would be friggin' incredible, and I would be shocked uh, if fans weren't absolutely over the moon with the result. Doesn't Thrawn have blue hair? Uh, he has like dark, dark, dark bluish black hair uh, and blue skin and a slightly kind of um, protruding uh, forehead. Right, right, okay. But otherwise looks like a human. Oh, and opposed for the, the blood red eyes. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and yeah, they kind of cover over those. I think they were glowing and with no pupils in Legends uh, so that it was even more impossible to kind of read him. Uh, but then they kind of took that away in canon. There is kind of like a subtle pupil shape, and they're not quite as in incredibly bright and glowing. So so the Mickelson brother to play Thrawn is on the wish list. Uh, 100%, and that's going to be a hard one, uh, I think, to beat for the, the, the dream wish list of potential Star Wars characters to get and who to play them. I think that is my new number one of, oh, of wow. those who is who's not currently in the in the Star Wars world. I mean, I'm not concluding like 
seeing Ewan McGregor again as Obi-Wan Kenobi. But other than that, I think this one takes the new lead, even though like, like, cause Sherlock episodes are friggin' like an hour and a half long. So I've seen, I've seen enough, uh, to be, <laughs> to definitely want to see him in a TV show, uh, on Disney plus, uh, or a movie. I think, I think TV show on Disney plus would be amazing. Maybe someday. Maybe. Um, not a whole lot of news really out there. Uh, Disney uh, Disney's planning on showing uh, kind of investors a sneak peek at uh, Disney Plus uh, on April 11th at their investor meeting. So okay. this aligns well that potentially, uh, I mean, that footage that they're showing them could be of Loki or Scarlet Witch. But other than that, there's a pretty decent chance it's going to be of Mandalorian. <laughs> sure, why not? So if that's the case... And also because, well, it's going to be coming out in October or November. Um, there's a pretty decent chance we're going to be able to see our first look at the Mandalorian come Star Wars Celebration in April. So that's really exciting. Well, in fact, I don't even know, and I'm not as schooled on it, but I don't know if they have started production on the Loki Scarlet Witch stuff. I, I don't know either. I have no idea whatsoever because I've really only I've tuned into the Disney Plus news mostly from a Star Wars point of view. Um, I would say Mandalorian's more likely. Uh, I would. Would absolutely love that. I think that's, and I absolutely think it's more likely seeing as um, we've already seen set photos of Taika Waititi working, and I think he was only set to do one episode, uh, which was the season finale. So unless they shot them out of order, they should be probably done unless they're filling in some like scenes here and there. Plus, um, if they put that out, if they put a little teaser out for Mandalorian, which comes out this fall, that buys them some time and having to put out a, a, any episode nine stuff yeah but i think they would also be crazy to not have an episode nine tra teaser up by then and in my opinion they're friggin insane to like it, for me i think there's no point in doing it a week apart between title and uh, teaser trailer or even just do them at once uh, oh that'd be cool yeah because i mean you could do like a, a 20 second trailer that includes the title um, or they can just do like a friggin' tweet like they did with the other ones. Uh, but I think it would be right. cool if they did like a 20 or 30 second trailer that just does the title. Uh, but then they expand that out or like they cut it down and then expand it out into a little bit more of a teaser trailer that still doesn't tell us much, that is still like a minute only, like 59 seconds, and then give us that until like October. Like give yeah. us that like at the beginning of February – uh, and well, maybe not October, maybe give us a little bit longer one in the summer as well, because that would be a ways to wait before getting like an actual full trailer. Um, but yeah, like give me something like a little tease in February and I don't necessarily need a full trailer until the summer. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, a couple other things in extended canon, but not much. Uh, the Anakin comic is coming up. Uh, there was kind of a, a combo pack of Mace Windu, Django Fett, uh, Asajj Ventress stories that recently was released um, as part of that uh, kind of Age of Republic series. Uh, I didn't uh, didn't really get a chance to read the I guess reviews or overviews of those, but uh, apparently the Mace Windu one was pretty decent. The cover looks incredibly cheesy on it, which is uh, kind of weird. It looks super uh, 2002. Okay, uh, I wish I could show you because it really is old school. It's got even like a border, like the way it would like a 2002 book. A um, couple other small things as well. Uh, there's a really cool celebration, uh, Star Wars celebration poster that's out. I uh, saw that. Yeah, you did. Awesome. Uh, was there anything you noticed on it that stood out to you? I mean, not other than that it was incredibly classic looking. And I mean, it included everybody. I, I, I couldn't, I don't know that I was looking for anybody it was excluding. I was. Okay. Uh, so there's two things I noticed more than anything. Um, the character who should have a lot of impact on the gal. Like, I mean, look at all the villains, all of the villains in Star Wars. Why in the world is Boba Fett and Dooku there, but Snoke isn't there? Oh, interesting. Uh, why is Phasma there at a decent size to be visible? And Kylo Ren's there right front and center, but... Snoke's not there at all. Like, is yeah. this uh, an intentional misdirect to try and keep him out of our minds so that they reveal him? Or yes. is this 
however, Poe Dameron also wasn't in it. So of yeah, all no, of, of they're all not of hoping. The Go ahead. I'm sorry. Of all of the heroes and villains in Star Wars, um, I couldn't think of a major hero or villain who appeared in more than one movie other than Snoke, Poe, or 3PO, um, who was excluded. Uh, But other than that, I mean, they pretty much got everybody, including some who were only in one movie, and then some who... Actually, no, I guess Darth Maul now is in two movies. Um, But... Yeah, no, I mean, like it's it just seemed a little weird that Snoke in particular was left out, uh, and also uh, JJ is so obviously back at the helm of this, so 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 obviously uh, that Graflex is at the dead fucking center of that poster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did it notice is that. The biggest thing. It is as big as Luke's goddamn head. It is huge. Just if I can say. One thing about uh, Snoke, if they are hoping that we forget about Snoke, it's not so that they can move on from him. It's so to surprise us with with some kind of interesting plot. Because I really hope so. JJ is smart enough; like he's too significant to the mysterious upbringing of Kylo Ren. I, I really, really hope so. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, there's been rumors out there about Snoke uh, because I mean nobody's really seen anything. Um, people at one point thought Matt Smith might be playing a young version of him. I think most people now think Matt Smith is going to be playing a Knight of Ren, uh, along with Kerry Russell, um, Dominic Monham. A lot of people believe him and Naomi Aki will be resistance people. Uh, we already chatted about Richard E. Grant. Um, but man, this it, is a cast. It, it's going to be it's going to be a huge cast. But when you think about who that main villain is, people talk about Kylo, and when you think about the way that the entire saga has to wrap up i mean he's most likely going to die in some form of redemption arc uh and in doing so like who's going to be the main villain that he's going to sacrifice to protect the galaxy against right um like there there has to be something along those lines there's got to be a thread to pull uh, and I think Snoke's is just the one that makes sense. I'm still 100% game for it being Plagueis. Um, and I think if, yeah, I, I'm hoping it's that J.J. Abrams misdirect where if we, uh, if we just don't bring him up and if we kind of push him to the back, then maybe people will focus on now Kylo being that front and center villain, which they kind of are, um, and then they'll slip him back in. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, well, a book coming out, Alphabet Squadron, a tiny bit was released about it. Uh, it's going to be a, kind of a, a part of a trilogy mixed with a TIE Fighter book or comic. I'm not really 100% sure how this crossover works, but it's a, a kind of a cool crossover notion between comics uh, and novels. And it's about um, former Imperials uh, and uh, TIE pilots uh, kind of breaking off. Uh, and defecting from the Empire when they see what it truly is um, and becoming part of the Rebel Alliance and then fighting against kind of their former comrades who are still sticking it through with the Empire. So it's kind of a cool concept. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. But uh, other than that, that's, uh, that's all I've got in the galaxy far, far away. Sounds pretty good. No birthday wishes uh, to announce this week. In fact, we've got a bit of a Star Wars birthday drought for the next weeks. Oh, really? Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you want to send along some feedback to this week's podcast or another podcast, let us know what you think of Revenge of the Sith, uh, 20 number three. That's a weird way of saying it. Uh, yes, it is. 40 minutes through 60 minutes. Uh, you can tweet us at recorder66, email recorder66podcast at gmail.com. As always, rate and review, positive reviews on iTunes, see if we play. Uh, we will be back next week with the fourth installment uh, of episode three. Look very much forward to it. And uh, until we're together again. May the force be with you.